once again, everybody, welcome to episode 54 of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we're your drunk friends. I'm Trav, sometimes Ness Friend. That's Alex. He's sometimes Ness Drunk. Actually, he's most of the time Ness Drunk. You're very Ness Drunk. But anyway, how are you doing, Alex? You, you doing okay? Earlier I was talking to you, it sounded like you had smoked an entire pack of menthols. What are you talking about? My lungs are fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, Easy, dirty, uh, hairy. That's... Uh, yeah, it kind of crosses into my auto impersonation. You know those guitars that are like double guitars. You know, you know, you know how that works. I love auto. Yeah, auto, auto is a really fun voice to do. Yeah, uh, that's one of the only voices I can do. Who's your, you know, of your of your maybe your B team? You know, obviously you got the family there. You got, you know, I would consider Burns still an A team character. He's very yeah. You Burns know. has to be an A-team guy. Mm-hmm. He was actually a, like a main character that was in every episode in the right. first season. So he has to be that. And, but, and a poo yeah. and mo. But like B-team wise, I think my favorite, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Professor Frank. The guy even, even in, oh, I just, <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hank Azaria, yeah. He's basically just doing Jerry Lewis. Right, but, uh, and he, I saw an interview with him, and he was like, "That's the character that I have to be scolded in the in the booth to stop doing because he'll just he'll take it and go <laughs> and just keep flaving and glavin' in and uh, oh, I love it." But he he's what? used so sparingly. I get real amped when I see the professor. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't know if Grandpa is considered a main character, but anytime Grandpa mm-hmm. is on, I'm cracking up, especially when he does. There's the there's the gag about how he rambles on about nothing. Like, give me five bees for a quarter, they'd say. And so I had an onion tied to my belt, which was the style at the time. <laughs> yes, yes. Rambling about nothing. I'm feeling tired, and I'm just rambling about whatever. How are you? You know, you, I I should start one of these so I can ask how you're doing. I'm fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I'm good. Well, I'm all good. right. Thank you. For, thank you for asking. I'm feeling very glaven, maven, glaven. What? Uh, I do like Jasper. He's uh, that's a bad one. But no, I'm doing good. Thanks for asking, man. I'm uh, I'm I'm overworked at work. Uh, I'm overworked with hobbies, but I enjoy the hobbies. So I just I'm burning myself uh, to the nub, and I'll burn out soon. I'll flame out very soon. But um, I'm good. Yeah, I'm in the same boat where I have all this responsibility at my at my nine to five that is starting to really get old <laughs> and uh i would like to get back to doing uh two videos a week but mm-hmm. it's I-, I can't create a backlog if, if i'm doing that so i'm taking thursdays off for a little while just so i can do um i'm concentrating on super scope at the moment mm-hmm. that's a nice segue into battle clash, battle clash. how's that for a segue huh that's a good segue uh-huh. absolutely buddy that might have been your first one uh, it probably was actually. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, Battle Clash was actually much better than I expected because it was made by uh, Intelligent Systems, the same folks behind one of your favorite games, Advanced Wars. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of great looking pixel art and portraits and cheesy dialogue and a lot of personality in that game, and it, which is much needed considering all you do is just point this big plastic bazooka at the screen and shoot stuff. So, but there are some, you know, they do pay lip service to strategy where it's like oh you have to wait until this guy's gun is visible before you can shoot you have to take this guy's legs out first etc etc so uh it's not the most complicated game but it gets the job done for for something like that it's the the problem with it is that it's not at all compatible with uh the the controller or even the mouse it's just it only works with 
the super scope, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't incorporate some controller stuff. I mean, all, even all the NES light gun stuff still had a controller option most of the time that I can think of. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm surprised to hear Battle Clash. I'm surprised it's getting a passing grade only because it's so ubiquitous. Like I see that game everywhere, and for it to yeah. only use a peripheral be that common makes me. I just always thought I'm like this game must be bad. It's always four dollars, and it's always on the shelf. Well, our our friend Coolor uh, told a very uh, telling story as to why that may be. It's because oh. um, he got that game for uh, a holiday or, or his birthday or something, and he didn't have a super scope. Ah, a lot of folks <laughs> didn't probably know. Ah, okay. So yeah, they didn't uh, they didn't even put that on the front cover like super scope only. Oh, it's like that would have been important. You just buy it, and then you realize it doesn't work with the controller, and you just kind of sit there. And uh, wow, some that's people, a good point. Hmm. Yeah. It probably got returned opened a lot. That lowered the price, and now they're just everywhere, and they've always been cheap. That's a really – I think that's a – I think that, that theory is the truth. And I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. And the same can be said with the sequel Metal Combat. I'm sure you've seen that one a bunch, yes, too, that's another real one. cheap. Mm-hmm. And that's another one that only works with the Super Scope. I think there's like five games that are Super Scope only, which is pretty interesting considering they really went hard, Nintendo did, with the Super Scope in 92, with a lot of ads, a lot of magazine ads especially. Nintendo Power made a big deal out of it and really, really wasn't that interesting. It was just, I I think the shoulder mount was kind of cool because it helped you aim, but yeah, it's, what were the other games? There was like Bazooka Blitzkrieg, there was a Yoshi game, Yoshi Safari, Mm -hmm. I think, and then there might have been one more, and then the rest, the the other games were just compatible with Super, like T2 the arcade game. Mm. You can use the the controller to play that one. I think it's interesting because those games that you're mentioning, I feel like there's there's millions of those, you know, millions of copies, and they require the Super Scope. But I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've come across a Super Scope. They're not that common. Yeah, I don't see them either. And I don't even see them on eBay that often. Yeah, that's weird. Huh. I I, I still don't have one. I'd love to own one just because I like retro novelties and because, you know, I have five games that I can't play. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess... Yeah, I, I do have my limits when it comes to certain collection stuff, like... If it's too freaking big to fit on my, fit on a shelf or to put somewhere convenient, then I don't really want it. Like yeah. the, the Earthbound box is probably the ultimate example of that. It's it's all huge. Uh, the Super Game Boy box was also huge like that. I used to have that for a while. I got rid of it, but because um, that came with a guide in and of itself to use a Super. What did I say? Did I say Super Game Boy? You did. I did. Okay, I thought I said Super Scope. I was like that, that would be a big ass box to keep that would be even bigger than the super scope itself which i have the super batter up that's uh kind of oh yeah see that's cool i've never even seen that for sale before yeah i would totally be down with 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 keeping something like that but um it actually works decently well that'd be maybe i'll loan it out to you you could do a video where you try it out and talk about it or something it's it's too bad that it's not it's only compatible with with that game though right super batter up no it's it's compatible with like 10 uh uh, baseball games on the what yeah yeah, everything oh, from like Cal Ripken baseball to like, oh, uh, you know, there's a whole, there's a big number of them, but you have to, um, it tells you like how you have to put in a code using the bat to, to get the game to work, I think. But yeah, it works with about 10, 10 of them. Nice. That's yeah. pretty cool. It sounds like a nice list video for Alex. Yeah. Hopefully one of those games is decent because <laughs> Cal Ripken baseball is pretty. That bleh. one's notably the worst for sure. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, it's it's actually a really good peripheral. But again, you're swinging a bat as an adult in a house. So <laughs> the one thing I had to be mind, I had to scoot furniture out of the way. I had to like make sure I wasn't going to hit any lamps, knock out shelves. Because oh, yeah. the first time I swung it, I scared my entire family. And they were like, no, you're going to this. You, actually, it'd be nice if you could put this outside and play it <laughs> because you're you're swinging, you know, like a wild man. So. Oh, yeah, of course. And you can only swing as hard as you can. You, you There's none of this like gentle swing stuff. You got to. Take full Frank Thomas cuts with all of this, you know, with, with your peripheral, with your bat peripheral. Otherwise, what what fun is it? Yeah, 100 percent. And that's the thing is that the game is very responsive or the games are very responsive to that. So there's no such thing as swinging so hard it doesn't register. Like when you swing hard and you connect and get a hit, it really does feel pretty good for a piece of technology that's 30 years old. Like you're like, Hell do you yeah. actually feel something in your hands no. when you make contact mm, you, oh it's not that advanced no it's not that advanced but if you crank the tv up loud enough to where the clank of the bat jars you a little bit <laughs> that helps get that subwoofer going exactly yeah yeah, yeah. it's interesting uh pearl just started playing a uh, returnal the other day and you can actually feel the rain on the controller like because you, you start out of course in like this desolate swamp land it l- looks like uh the dagobah system where yoda lives and um, you can actually like feel the vibrations of the rain hitting your controller. It's amazing. It's like the how far they've come with this kind of stuff and the weird little details they think of. But yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, can it, does it feel like baseball? I wish it Even did. It was, it was a peripheral made in '94, and there's no way they would have been able to do that. But yeah, that's cool. But you played. Uh, what did you play? Uh, D- J- Jurassic Park. Which um, you're wading into AVGN territory again because uh, <laughs> just playing that's, shitty that's games. That's where that's the way <laughs> that's the way he uh, that's the one he destroyed for having annoying doors. I think because um, the overhead doors that you, you don't realize that you you can go through them at first, but uh, it, but he's like, why don't they just get rid of the door things? Does that make sense? I don't remember, but I the whole game is just annoying in general, so that wouldn't surprise me because oh, yeah. uh, it's just constant dinosaurs just ankle biting you like constantly. These, these little yeah. raptors—they never stop, they never go away. You never feel like you have enough ammo. You're just—you feel like you're just constantly swatting off like rabid cats, like always. <laughs> I feel so bogged down when I play it. Like immediately when you start it, you're just bombarded by dinosaurs. Which you're like, "Hey, it's Jurassic Park, buddy! What the hell did you expect?" But like, not that. That's it's just annoying. It's an annoying game, and it's it's honestly a little bit boring. Even while you're being annoyed constantly by incessant rabid hell fiend raptors biting at you the whole time, at some point you're just like, so I guess I'll just go find more eggs because that's all you're doing. So yeah, it lacks well, a little make, bit. Yeah, it makes up for being boring by uh, not having a save system whatsoever. Oh. So at least there's that. I know for a game like it was. It came out in 1993. It came out after the movie, so like. Why is there no save or password? Pa- not even a password. We had passwords in 1984. What the hell are we doing without <laughs> passwords? And that's Ocean for you. Ocean made uh. also made the uh, Super Nintendo version. Same freaking thing. And it's just, it's funny to, to me how they apparently made... I thought the NES version was just more of the Super Nintendo version. but And it kind of is, but they are two different games, which is pretty funny. Yeah, it just doesn't have the first person part that the, uh, the Super yeah. Nintendo has. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's uh, it's pretty funny. They went to all that trouble to make two different games, but they were like, passwords, what are those? Screw yeah. that. I guess that's how, like, anti-rental they were. Oh, maybe. 
back in the day so that you didn't have a chance to finish the game I didn't in think one about rental. That. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I just thought Ocean was sh- shitty based on all their other games. But you're right. Maybe it was a rental thing. The reason I brought that up is because I am working, uh, thanks to uh, our friend Andrew, who's also known as Stossdrunk, also known as mm. uh, the Critical Android. He uh, gave me an idea to do what are called rigged rentals, just games that were just completely unfair to be able to rent and uh Jurassic Park is definitely one of those games because he had no way to save. Um, what would be another yeah, example of a, that? I don't know, uh, but that's a perfect one. Oh, Lion King would be another perfect one because that game is so ridiculously difficult and you got to be like pixel pixel ass perfect mm-hmm. on uh, on all this stuff. The swinging monkeys. Ugh. There's there's other games too, like Super Valis 4, which you may not know about, but it's one of those games where the Super Famicom version is more forgiving it it gives you more health. It gives you you don't take as much damage from enemies. Whereas in the American version, you take practically double the damage. You know, the damage it's like double damage. You know, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those ripoffs, and they they only do that because they don't want people beating the game on one rental. Man. Horse ass. That's a good good video topic, and I love nothing more than to get mad at stores that no longer exist. 30 years old. Their existence completely. I just think that's great. Looking at you, Hollywood video. That's an interesting... I mean, I'm always surprised with the things that you you come up with for video ideas, and that's another good one. So, good job. I didn't come up with that one at all. That was all uh, Mr. Andrews. That anybody could come up... My my best idea was like, I could think of five amusing titles on the Famicom, and then I ran with it. So, I mean, you're doing better than I am. That's good. But uh, I did want to shout out uh, the, the games here that you can play with the Super batter up because i think you're gonna like it um okay so mm. i already mentioned cal ripkin jr baseball it's kind of a dud there's espn baseball tonight hardball three mlbpa baseball sports illustrated championship football and baseball i'm sure you can only play the baseball part tecmo super baseball of course super batter up but here you go you got of course your king griffey jr's win- winning run but you get king griffey jr presents major league baseball yes. with this bat so there you God go, Alex. Damn. There you go. Okay, buddy. so there we go. That that is I I uh I need to find this thing now. So Super Batter Up. Yeah, I and I would be interested to play that uh Sports Illustrated game just to see if you can play the football portion with <laughs> yeah. with the bat and just, you know, because of the inputs, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. Well, if we're able to meet up at Magfest, I'll bring it. You can uh you can try yeah. it out. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing that I did was uh, me and my boy Steve Blinkum from the Polyco Podcast. We got together for about three hours and change on Sunday night and ran through our Sony collections. And then Steve broke out the old Nuon and his R Zone that we made fun of last time and his Wonders One. <laughs> and it was a good time. Uh, thanks for everybody that came out. There were a few folks that shouted out the Drunk Friend Podcast, so I appreciate those that showed up. And uh, people seem to wow. like it. So next, uh, not this Sunday, but the Sunday after that, we're coming back with our Sega stuff. So that'll be a good time. When do you get to NES stuff? We're saving that one for last since that's kind of my thing. So we're kind of building mm-hmm. up to it because that's going to be my big... Steve honestly has a bigger and much nicer, more curated collection than me. So it's nice for me to see a lot of his stuff. But my NES collection is is quite large compared to a lot of his stuff. So uh, it'll be fun. I will make sure to show up for that one because your collection is what, like 700 games or something like that? Just yeah, NES? Close. I think we just broke 650. We're getting there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We're about to stop, though. That is a lot of Caesar's Palace and poker <laughs> games and uh, crappy licensed football games. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All sorts of stuff. You know, I have about t- maybe 
20 games before I hit a real solid cost wall where I'm not going to be able to go much further without a huge just catching somebody not paying attention. So, uh, you know, it's been fun. It's been fun. (laughs) I'm in the same boat with Super Nintendo, but I only have like 150 games or so. But the stuff I really would like to have is, you know, like all all those RPGs and all that stuff. Yeah. Hell yeah. I I'm lucky enough to have most of those already, like the Lufia games, Breath of Fire one and two and that kind of stuff. But um, and Chrono Trigger, of course. But certain games like uh, I don't know, like Adventures of Batman and Robin, like that's a great looking game. Uh, It's made after the Batman animated series TV show. Really good looking game, perfectly decent platformer. It'd be fun to own, but it's like 150 bucks or something like that. So, no thanks. Same with like, uh, I would love to own. Um, oh, what is that game? Uh, Evo, Search for Eden. Mm. That's another really interesting one, but uh, nope, not at that price. Yeah, that's that's one that's notably expensive, right? Like that's always been a little bit. Yep. Yeah, that's a bummer. I've I've never yep. come across that one at all. Yeah, you. That's the stuff you never see in the wild, like no. ever. No, unless you you see it at like a convention, but it's twice the price that it should be. You're like, oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for bringing it, so I can see. It. It's like the Smithsonian now. I can just look at it. Thanks for letting me look at it. That's happened to me with some little Samsons. We're at like uh you know trade shows and whatever uh, expos, and I just finally get to see it in person, and that's like, oh, there it is. Okay, all right. <laughs> then I yeah. walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before with uh, um, a certain I forget what game it was but I was like you know I have my bit on me the um, screwdriver thing uh, it's a tiny little thing you use to take out oh to see the board to see the board to make sure it's legit they actually let me do that once like I, I well I mean I had to hand it to the guys like yeah sure I'm curious myself and let's <laughs> take a look I forget what it was and it's like yep it's legit and it's like okay See you later. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm like out. That, sign, yeah. that scene in Dumb and Dumber. Big gulps, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See you later. Uh, so once again, thanks, uh, thanks to everyone that came out for that. It was, it was cool and uh, excited to to do a few more. Uh, I guess we'll jump into some emails. And our first one here is from uh, my, one of my favorite people that email us on the regular, and that's Robert Auguste de Meyer. He says, how do you love... Now, he likes... He's got a good thesaurus, this guy. He's always using some language. I've had... I had to seriously Google four words in this email, but he says, howdy, lovely augers of the weekend. Thanks for the compelling top 13 handheld lists. They were all great to hear about, and I'm not going to gainsay any of your choices, which I looked up gainsay, and that just means, uh, like, deny or uh, downplay or anything, like you know, like, go against. So I was like, wow, gainsay. So I've added that one to the rotation. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Google, uh, check whatever the, the blue line under here. It doesn't treat it as a word. Yeah. So it's it's that's kind of annoying and it makes it stand out. And I'm like, that is a word. I, I Googled. I also Googled that one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Google was like, I know. I don't know if that's good grammar, but that's a word. But I, I don't know how you yeah. even Google was like, I don't know. But anyway, he goes on to say, however, being a connoisseur myself, I couldn't help but share my own list. Do with it what you deem most appropriate. I understand it's too long to read out loud on your podcast. And fuck you, Robert. We're going to read it. We're going to read it yeah. right here. We're going to do it live. Yeah. Let's <laughs> do it live. Let's uh, trade off here. Yeah. You, you want to start with 13? I'll do 12. Sure. As number 13 is, and we wouldn't just do this for anybody. It's because we love Robert. He says, number 13, Pokemon trading card game. He goes on to say more strategy and more things to collect than the original Pokemon games. So interesting. I didn't know that hmm. about it. 
Yeah, I, I don't even, yeah, not even familiar with that. And I'm also not familiar with style, style savvy trendsetters. My girlfriend and I had a lot of fun dressing customers up and making them happy. A rare experience in games. I would say so, yeah. I, but I, you know what? I love weird stuff like that. I just love it. Yeah, it can be interesting, yeah. As long as it's not uh, Let's Ride, uh, that horse game I talked about <laughs> a couple weeks ago. As long as it's not that. You know, it's unfair to horses, but I'm to the point now, if I see one on a cover, I'm just not going near it. <laughs> I'm just not going near it. It's unfair to horses. <laughs> it really is. The Game Boy Advance era ruined horses for me. There's too many horses in game. Uh, you know, um, anyway. Well, speaking of horses, number 11. Final Fantasy Adventure, a.k.a. Seeking Densetsu 1. Uh, like Gargoyle's Quest, this one is blocky and crude, yet so pleasing. And as a lover of Gargoyle's Quest, that uh, that excites me. I've not played a Final Fantasy Adventure, so. Yeah, it's, it's like Secret of Mana, but kind of jank because it's a game boy game but it's it's fun uh number 10 he's got here is mario and luigi yeah mario and luigi superstar saga this one almost made my list in my book the pinnacle of the series the funniest and the snappiest and yes there are some like laugh out loud funny scenes and funny lines in that game nice number nine Faerun 2 this is not one i've heard of this is a hyper concentrated zelda experience i cannot recommend trying this enough and that sold me yeah, yeah. I've, I've not heard of that either. I wonder if Faroon 1 is any good. Yeah. Um, 8 f- is Phoenix Wright. There's only one thing better than a well-timed, well, actually, and that's a well-timed objection. <laughs> so that's, I can't argue with that. Literally. <laughs> oh, here he goes. Uh, number 7, Witch and Hero 3. He says, arcade elegance combined with level-up dopamine, two-player co-op on one 3DS to boot. That might sound like something for you, Alex. Yeah, I think I've seen footage of that before. Um, I can't remember where or how, but it does sound good. Uh, number six, he's got the Minish Cap from Z- Legend of Zelda series. Link's Awakening has a sublime weirdness to it, but the Minish Cap, is it Minish Cap or Minish Cap? I think it's like diminish. I think it's Minish. Minish Cap? Okay. Yeah. Minish Cap has level design that makes me want to replay it more often than any other 2D Zelda. That is one I need to get into. I would like to own the cart of that one, actually, if I can. Nice. Yeah. It's, it is a good. It's fun. Uh, number five, Castlevania, Order of Ecclesia. Yes, they're all good, but this is the one that best integrates the weapons and spells into its environments. And again, you know, Aria of Sorrow, Order of Ecclesia, Aria of Dawn, Dawn of Circles, Circles of Moons. I want all of them. I don't even know the names of all of them, clearly. But uh, I only, I've only played Circle of the Moon on the Castlevania handhelds. And uh, man, the prices on those damn things are going up. So, uh, yeah. but I really want them. I really want to play them. It's pretty cool how everybody has their own favorite Castlevania mm-hmm. game. It's like everybody has a different answer. Um, I feel like that should, you know, we, we should add that question to like our permanent rotation. Like even if we have a guy like uh, Michael Pachter, <laughs> yeah. uh, Pachter on again, like what is your favorite Castlevania game? And he would list like, it's actually the original arcade, the whatever it's called, Heavy Castle or whatever the hell that <laughs> game is called. It sold 42 million copies, and they didn't get a lot of return on the investment there, but, you know, the overhead <laughs> cost of that and the publisher's rights. And you're like, whoa, easy, Mike. We just asked you which one you liked. Uh, number four. Is it my turn? Yeah. yeah. Number four, Civilization Revolution. This series works completely different and so well as a short burst on a handheld criminally overlooked. I did not know there was a handheld civilization. That sounds kind of cool. Uh, number three, Metroid Zero Mission. Like you said in the podcast, Metroid is best when you're discovering stuff without being told where to go. That and having better controls than Samus Returns. Hmm. 
I don't know. I, it's been a long time since I played Zero Mission, but um, yeah, Samus Returns has some pretty damn fine controls, if I do say so. I tell you what. Yeah, you would. Number two is Advance Wars Days of Ruin. Is that the DS one? Uh, let me I think so. Google it for our podcast here. Days he says, uh, yes. the new additions and balancing, that is the DS one. Okay, yeah. I have not played that one. The new additions and balancing make it hard to go back to previous installments. Best music too. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's my observation. <laughs> you hmm. sound dissatisfied with that take, but hey, whatever. Um, I'm, I mean, if it's if it's a, a, an advance wars, I'm sure it is crack cocaine for at least 15 hours. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Number one here, drum roll, brrr, WarioWare Incorporated or Inc. I don't know. What, what are the kids saying? Do they say Inc.? Do they go full incorporated there? I think they go. F- I think they say ink. Okay, it's cool to say ink. All right, Wario WarioWare Inc. The epitome of the handheld medium in action. A celebration of everything we love about games. A Brob Dingnagian. Brob Dingnagian. He's done it again, folks. He's used the word achievement to rival Mario's greatest. Let me go ahead and copy see, and paste that into a Google search engine and see what the hell I just yeah, read out. Yeah, see, well. our our Google sheet here doesn't underline that word. Yeah, what the hell? Like garbled nonsense but it is a real word it means gigantic which who would have guessed brob ding nagian it looks belgian or it looks it looks like dutch or belgian or something that part of europe yeah just click that thing where it like pronounces it on google and even google sounds like it had a stroke halfway through brob ding brob <laughs> ding nagian it says it's also a Brom, Bromdingnag is a fictional land occupied by giants in Jonathan Swift's 1726 satirical novel Gulliver's Travels. So there you go. There's the, what do you call it, the entomology or the, what is it? What is that called when you look at it? That is, I think that would be correct, the etymology. etymology uh, also, yeah. if you remove the uh, the B at the beginning of the word, you get the name Rob Dignagian. Yeah. And who sounds like he'd be like the utility infielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> so I, I do like that. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, Robert says, don't stop the rock. Robert August V. Meyer. So helping me helping me pronounce his name, which I always appreciate because I can't pronounce any of the words he puts in his emails these days. He's so smart. Thanks, Robert. That was a fun list. And I like that list. Honestly, I haven't played any of these, to be quite honest with you. It's a great list because, uh, yeah, there's a there's a ton of stuff um, on here that uh, I'm not all that familiar. I'm only familiar with Phoenix Wright from like, you know, the memes and, you know, it was like a YouTube poop thing back in. And and yes, I really did say YouTube poop. If you're not familiar with the that uh, the YouTube poop culture. Yeah, that was that was like a big thing back then. And what was that like 2011, 2012 or something like that? So but then then we have uh, to balance out the emails here. We have Cade emailing us uh, a picture and it says, where does a mansplainer get his water? From a well, actually. Cade. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. And I was working on my uh, newscaster laugh there. Was that any good? I, I, you know, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty good, although it just sounds like your well, actually guy laughing. <laughs> I don't think that guy's capable of laughing because he doesn't have a sense of humor. Remember? That's right. Yeah. Everything is serious. Everything is everything is always everything is always serious. Oh gosh! Oh gosh! If you ever <laughs> oh I flavin there it is Flavin'. Yes. Flavin'. and and you know that might be why I enjoy that voice so much because it, it does immediately yeah. remind me of of Professor Frank. 
Yeah, it's it, it. There is a lot of Frank in there, but I try and get get the voice. So he can't quite move his mouth correctly. I don't know why. It's just it just happens to fit. It's funny. Some people just just a quick aside here. It's some people. I would say it's like 80%. Anytime I do the nerd voice on a video, it's like 80% support. I do get a lot of people that are like, that is funny as hell. It's dead on, blah, blah, blah. They're all very nice about it. And then, But there's there's a small section of people that like get legitimately upset at using the voice. And I get these paragraphs that are like, I think it's ridiculous that you're mocking your audience. And <laughs> it's like, what? You, you are proving my point exactly. with the whole the whole point of the character right now. Like I don't know if you realize that, but <laughs> if you're offended by that, that's that's your that's you. You did yeah, that. That <laughs> sounds like a you problem, buddy. But yeah, yeah that's it's just so stupid because it's like you guys really get upset over like a mock nerd voice. Like, do you do you think I'm talking to you in particular? Like, I just don't understand that, but. Proves the point, though, which hey, is always a uh, always a good time. If some people catch you having fun in a way they don't approve, they're <laughs> quick to point that out. That's just unfortunate. Of course, but you know, speaking of great voices, coming up, <laughs> we have a guest who has one of the best on Twitch for sure. Granted, I don't only watch like ten different people stream, but. Her voice is the best, 100%. But she's also great at games. She plays some of the best games. Her channel has uh, really exploded, I would say, over the past year and a half, but certainly within the last year. And uh, she's coming back on the show. She was here about a year ago, and she's back to talk to us about what she's been up to, how things are going, and uh, what organ she's having removed. Hi, everybody. This is Steve from the Polykill Podcast. Are you ever sitting up late at night wondering how your life got to this point? How you ever managed to amass so many great games, but finish so few of them? Us too. So join me and Trav as we talk about what we're playing, what we're beating, and what our community managed to beat as well. Check us out wherever you find podcasts or at polymedianetwork.com. And don't forget to hashtag just beat it. Hungry Goria, thanks so much for joining us again. A repeat customer here at the Drunk Friend Podcast. Thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Hey, anytime. I'm always glad to be here. So thanks for having me back on. Especially, and I'm going to bring it up right now, especially on the eve of a big surgery. I mean, how important are we, Alex? We get to right before the surgery. This is incredible. Well, as long as we can distract her from thinking about it for a while, I think we're, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's kind of the goal here is to make sure that uh, you're able to at least forget about it for a quick second. Have you ever had surgery, Trav? Have, have you ever done anything like that? You know, I have steered completely clear of the knife, unless you count last week when I talked about how I did a little surgery on myself because I washed a bowl too uh, hard and cut yeah, my hand your, up. But Your Civil War injury, that's right. That was that was not proctored by a doctor. But I think a lot of people are going to be a little uh, upset, you know, when they find out, HD, that you're getting your, your voice box replaced with one of Darth Vader. <laughs> you know, we've loved your voice for so long. I mean, it's a surgery that I, I don't know that a lot of folks condone, really. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I could just see the the signage now. All the protests. Please bring her regular voice back, or else. <laughs> and, he, and and you're not even getting the James Earl Jones Darth Vader. You're getting the Hayden Christensen Darth Vader. Oh, like, no. and I mean, that is very questionable, right there. 
I mean, I, yeah. I know I, pre- prequel memes are real ha- are real popular right now, but that's going a little too far. <laughs> I would say so. I would protest. I'd probably go back in and have it exchanged. I think. <laughs> Nothing against Hayden Christensen, of course. I'd like to return this voice, please. Um, sometimes I feel like that. Like I get so sick of hearing myself on YouTube and all that nonsense. But I've only had my wisdom teeth removed. That had my bottom two had to be. I had to be put under and. You wake up with a big fat ball of gauze in your mouth and it's it, you wonder where the heck you are and it's it's a lovely feeling. But um, yeah, uh, otherwise I've been I, like Trav, I've been pretty lucky medically other than that the, the earth wants me dead uh, because of allergies. <laughs> uh, I, I'm allergic to apparently everything except dogs and mold. So uh, but uh, health wise, are you doing OK, HG, other than the 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 surgery that you can't wait to get over with? Yeah, I think I've been feeling pretty good overall except the the gnarly pains that come from Ugh. good old gallbladder betrayal so oh, yeah yep. having that plucked from my being tomorrow will be an excellent day the beginning perhaps of a brand new chapter where i can actually eat things again <laughs> oh. so yeah. d- do you get to keep it like do you get to ask <laughs> if you can keep it i you was going to ask that i can't believe we okay it's so funny that you both wanted to know because you're not the first two people to ask. And in fact, I was speaking with my dad earlier today and he told me that my grandmother had her gallbladder removed and was given her stones and that she kept them in a jar. So huh. it's not unheard of to keep them, but I'm not going to ask unless they send me home with a care package tucked into my pocket or something with them inside. I'm not going to make that request. <laughs> yeah. Like a little I mean, doggy all- bag. <laughs> Like taking it home from a restaurant. Yeah. I do have a tooth that I had pulled when I was a kid. It was like a, it was one of the front teeth on the bottom and it was a double crowner. So it was enormous compared to the rest of them. And I have that hanging around. Like it's Hmm. not uncommon for me to keep parts of myself that have been removed. (laughs) I I just had so much trouble with these stupid gallstones. I just want them to go into the incinerator and and kiss their lives goodbye and just be done. Yeah. Yeah. Go into the, the ether and... Into hell from whence they came. There you go. Good call. It always makes me think of that scene in, uh, it was one of the Treehouse of Horror Simpsons episodes where, I think it's where Flanders rules the world, and um, uh, everyone's in line to get a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a lobotomy, and Moe is like, they let you keep the little piece of brain they cut out. Who's that big man there? And he's like pointing at his brain and then pointing at, who's that right there? That always makes me laugh. But anyway, so I, it's always, that scene has always inspired me to like, if I ever get anything removed, I think I'd like to keep it just so I can annoy everybody around me by reenacting that scene over and over. So, yeah. <laughs> sure, so have it in a jar near the Super Nintendo. Absolutely, yeah. buddy. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, HD, again, thanks for coming. We know you got a big a big to do tomorrow. Hopefully we can distract you here for about an hour and talk about what you've been up to. We had you on about a year ago. It was a great episode. And over the past year, uh, of course, I guess not a ton. Like our situations haven't really changed all that much since uh, late May, early June of last year. But your channel has certainly grown over that time. Has anything changed for you in regards to streaming over the last year? Have you have you been streaming more? Have you I mean what's what's it been like? Well, I think streaming for me has become somewhat of a not that it wasn't a staple before, but much more of a staple, I think, now in life. Um I was blessed enough to become a Twitch partner last July. So I think when we spoke, we were kind of working up to a point where my channel was really starting to pick up momentum and then 
I was granted that Twitch partnership, so I've gone from three streams a week to four streams a week, including a daytime one, which has been wonderful because my evening streams on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays have been dedicated to this list of viewer requests. And there's a lot of RPGs on there. They're very long-winded games. They take a long time, which is fine. I love them. But Friday afternoons for me have been like this sweeping breath of fresh air that have popped into my life where I can just play other things. And that's been wonderful. I fiddled around with some Friday the 13th for NES. I played Tombs and Treasures that way. And it's just been so great to finally pick up a couple of things that have been on my mind for a long time that I haven't been able to get around to. So I would say it's kind of been a transformative experience incorporating more streams into life because who has time? But apparently I can make some more. And that's been really great for me. So it's been a good change, I think. And the partnership doesn't really do much other than give you more emotes, but it's been kind of <laughs> nice, you know, just having that that little bit of extra a little bit of an extra nod, I guess, to what I've been doing out there. And, and that's been really meaningful to me. Yeah, I saw you play Ghosts and Goblins the other night. Uh, <laughs> and you got to be, yeah, that, yeah, that game takes. And, and then again, I can't say I'm surprised that it's you playing it because you have like the patience of a saint when it comes to video games and, you know, emotional maturity, I'll call it, <laughs> not blowing up <laughs> and like throwing controllers and stuff like that. So it's it was cool to see that. Um, in the meantime, though, the list of games you provided us that you did play is like, not only is it like extensive, but it's like the most like scattershot, like all over the place stuff. There's a lot of Castlevania on here, but there's also like Majora's Mask, uh, Skies of Arcadia, Brandish. Like, what did you think of Brandish? I actually loved Brandish. It was kind of an experience that I wasn't expecting to really wow me, especially because it was one of those games where folks kept telling me, you're going to hate this. It's so disorienting. You got to flip your environment around. The controls are brutal. And I had just finished up Shining in the Darkness as well, which was a first person yeah. dungeon crawler, right? So kind of in the same vein, you're still dungeon crawling, but it's a third person game and it's, it has some different mechanics in it. But I loved it. I got in there and there's so many nice things about Brandish that I just really appreciated, like having the in-game map available and... You know, the combat kind of sucks because you're always facing the wrong way. But yep. this, I think what, what I loved about that one the most was the story. When I read about yes. how it's kind of set up and yeah, like how it just unfolds. It's so different from any other RPG that I've run into yet. And that was something that really captivated me. And I was immediately drawn in. So although you don't get you don't get much story throughout the game, of course, like a little bit of... um kind of where they bring it back once in a while with side characters and stuff but for the most part it's just the manual but holy smokes does it ever set the stage for a cool adventure it's pretty cool how you're being like there's two things going on like you're getting chased the whole time by this person coming after you um i always liked that touch um and there's also uh i think if i remember i'm just going off the top of my head that's the one where the castle collapses or something like yeah. that. And it disappears into the ground. And essentially, you to get away from this assassin who's chasing you, yeah. you have to jump into a huge pit and disappear below the Earth's surface into this civilization with people that have been trapped there for who knows how long. It's so yeah. neat. It's it's definitely different, which is, um, yeah, but you, you did touch on the combat, which is a bit challenging at times because um, once, once I realized, I think, uh, I'm... 
if you i forget what button if you hold like the l or r button or maybe select or something like that you can still move side to side is that right i think something like that i think i changed some of the controls Mm, so that i could strafe with my shoulder buttons no with the d-pad i think because I think the default is that you strafe with the shoulder buttons and I'm I'm a shoulder button denier when it comes to controllers <laughs> in general. I always forget about them and in a situation like that game where you need them to either rotate the dungeon or move, that was something that really just gave me a run for my money. I really had to think about what the heck I was doing in this game all the time, but I think you're right though, like you could move side to side and and stay oriented in the same direction. Or you could rotate with either the D-pad or, or the, the two shoulder buttons, I believe. Tried to go a little for too much there. I think, you know, it's, they, they, they bit off more than they can chew. But it does have its charm. It does have a sequel, too, where the combat is done a little bit better. It's kind of the same-ish type thing where it's an overhead view where the room rotates around you. But the, the maps, uh, the dungeons are much more intricate. And um, it's a similar story. But um, yeah, that's that's a good one too with an English translation patch out there. If you if you're jonesing for some more brandish, it'd be cool to see you play that too. I think eventually I will be. I'm always jonesing for more of these cool games that I I just don't expect to like, and then I'm stuck there thinking, is there more of this? Why is there not more of this? Why am I playing games thirty years after they're made? Like, <laughs> where's the demand? Who do I talk to to get more of that? Described so. my entire life for the last eight years. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you made a good point there because um, you know you're you're speaking about an RPG, and I think I associate you most with RPGs. And I don't know. I mean, I clearly with this list, you're playing everything from you're playing Super Mario Bros. Two, The Lion King, Gunstar Heroes. Um, but I guess it's because when you're in the middle of one and I watch you stream consecutively, it feels like I've been watching you play that for weeks on end. And maybe that that's what it is. But I wanted to ask, like, whether it be over the last year or just from streaming in general, are there any genres or franchises that have really came around for you or some maybe some genres where you were like, I didn't expect to like that, but I actually am a huge fan now. Yeah, I would say probably something that's bubbled up to the surface for me a lot are those, and I don't want to use Metroidvania because I don't like describing games that way because there's more to life than Metroid and Castlevania, of course. But like <laughs> Thank you. those those gated exploration games where you have to slowly open up a world, mm. I adore, you know, and the original Legend of Zelda is kind of like that in some mm-hmm. ways where you can only access certain areas after you get to certain places. But I've played so many games over the last little while, like Simon's Quest or even Adventure Island 4, Legacy of the Wizard. There's mm. so many games that have just appealed to me on a level I didn't know was possible. And I keep seeking them out. That's what I'm looking for now when I'm looking for cool new games. If I see a turn-based RPG, I'm like, ah, there's a gajillion of those. I love RPGs. I love action RPGs as well. But there's something about these side-scrolling action-adventure games with RPG elements that also have some form of gated exploration that just take me up to this cloud nine. And I, I love them and I want more of them in my life. So, in other words, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball is not going to be on your list <laughs> then of upcoming uh, games. Poor Alex. No. 
No, but if if you want, I could play it. I don't even know if I own that one. I may. We have a whole whack of sports games that I just never look at. They're actually tucked away behind my N64 games. That's how that's oh. how bad it is. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm clutching my heart right now. But anyway, yeah. No. T- speaking of um, exploration platformers like that, like it, like you were talking about, you're currently currently going through Aria of Sorrow. And you've you've gotten through Rondo of Blood. You've gotten through Symphony of the Night. Uh, what's the other one? Bloodlines, the Genesis one. So mm-hmm. I hear like that Aria of Sorrow is up there with Symphony of the Night as one of the greatest things to ever exist or whatever. So what what are your thoughts on it? I really just finished up Aria of Sorrow the other day. So I, I wrapped it up on Monday night this week. And it was really, to me, just more of Symphony of the Night. So... Before I came to Symphony of the Night last summer, I had only played Simon's Quest in terms of Castlevania, those kinds of games, eh? And when I played Symphony of the Night, I loved it. I thought, this is fantastic. I love the music. I love the ambience. I love the control in this game. Everything is beautiful. And I don't know what I was expecting with Aria of Sorrow, but it just felt like another symphony in the Mm. sense that you go to the same places a lot of the same enemies are there you find the same items you get the same kinds of power-ups like i appreciate that they they kept the same formula going and like i say i don't know what i wanted to be different but it's and that's not a gripe either like i love symphony of the night to play more of symphony is great but it was just so samey in that way and and i was hoping it might be somewhat different like there are different attributes like the souls system and having to capture souls for your your secondary weapons and stuff like that like that's entirely brand new but but yeah i don't know i thought it was great i liked symphony of the night i still like simon's quest better because i'm crazy but there's just something about that eight bit aesthetic and the music in that game and there's so much ambience that just didn't it didn't cut it with newer games. I don't know what's the matter with me, but I just always go back to stuff that's simpler. And I just love it so much more for some reason. When was Aria of Sorrow? That would have been the early 2000s, like 2003, four somewhere around there, I think. Whereas Symphony of the Night was probably like 97, 98, around the time like when Final Fantasy VII came out, I think. I so. think so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not good on years, but I know that Aria of Sorrow was the last in the GBA trilogy. To be released. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, no, it sounds like it's just like, okay, there's more of it, but um, what I see, I come across that all the time with Super Nintendo stuff with ROM hacks, where it's like fan made ROM hacks, as polished as they are, uh, they can't really come close to, you know, like there's a gazillion Super Mario World, there's a gazillion Super Metroid ROM hacks, and there's some really, really good ones, but it's like, just give me the original. Every time, like, sorry, folks, but um, yeah, I mean, Aria of Sorrows is good of a freaking fan hack that you're going to get because it's, you know, professionally made, obviously, by Konami. But yeah, oh, it sounds, totally. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like they they just were like, oh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Kind of like Mega Man, Mega Man style. Let's just do more Mega Man. Oh, but totally. It, and, and I think the other thing that Symphony of the Night had going for it over and above Aria is the soundtrack and the music, like the CD quality music in that game, in my opinion, really, really goes beyond what was available in Aria of Sorrow, just because of how the GBA is so compressed and kind of muffled in comparison. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not trying to hate on Aria of Sorrow. I thought it was great. I had a blast with it. But yeah, it's just 
a less exciting version of Symphony of the Night in my mind, I think. I haven't quite formed my final thoughts on it, but that's kind of my mm. initial, I just beat it a couple of days ago, kind of thinking around it for now. Do you have a good memory for, for games that you've played and beaten, or do you... Because selfishly, when I make the, the the video content that I make, it's for my own personal reference. Like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> I don't remember the exact... Uh, what what the heck is Illusion of Gaia again? Oh, it's the suicidal pig with the vampires and the child slavery and all this <laughs> weird stuff. Um, oh, my God, that game's weird. But yeah, no, it, I that's the reason I kind of do that. Do you tend to like m- make mental notes with your streams? Like, oh, that was that game. Oh, that was that game, etc. Or am I crazy? No, I think I'm on the same page as you. But what I've noticed a lot is that as soon as I'm finished with a game, whether it's making a video or streaming it, a lot of my working knowledge of the world and stuff goes right out of the other side of my head. Yeah, so yeah. if I come back to... A game, for example, and it's like, well, how do I get to that place again? How did I do that step in that whole long process of trading sequences? Like the details fade away on me, which is terrible. But I feel like there's also an essence of streaming that takes you out of the immersion that you might have playing a game on your own because you're not only playing a game, you're trying to entertain chat and answer what people are asking you and make sure that jerks aren't sitting in your chat doing what jerks do you got to moderate as well like there's so many different ways that your mind gets pulled at least in my experience with streaming that i feel like some of the details get lost on me it takes me a lot longer to play games in general when i'm highly distracted by a hundred people you know i think that that's a skill that uh impresses me with really any streamer is that (laughs) that ability to entertain and be decent at the video game i mean you know you see speedrunners do it all the time they'll be interacting with chat and doing their practice runs and nailing all of these you know real intense input sometimes not even looking at what they're doing like reading chat and just going through half a level and uh i'm uh, i'm amazed by that i'm so amazed by that because i can multitask a little bit while i'm playing games but it's usually like having a baseball game on another tv on mute that i can look at every now and then and then I'm also playing a video game, but not like talking. And I've tried it. I, I tried streaming one time and it was like riding a bike upside down. I just was like, <laughs> I don't know. Am I talking to the game now? I don't know what's going on. Can anyone hear me? Like it was really confusing. So I, I think you do a really good job at that. And you brought up jerks and I'm glad you did because it's a good segue I didn't have to do by myself. You, a lot of times in your uh, streams, you're playing these games that are story heavy, you know, Aria of Sorrow being one of them, any of the Castlevanias, any of these RPGs, and people want to just come in and exert that knowledge, throw some spoilers out there. I don't think all of it menacingly. Sometimes people slip up and be like, hey, have you gotten to this thing yet? And you're like, what thing? And that's a spoiler. You just spoiled it. But you do a really graceful job of, of dealing with that kind of thing. But it seems like it's getting more and more common. I mean, how is that going for you? Is it becoming really obnoxious to have to tell people every 10 minutes to, hey, man, shut your mouth? Yeah, yeah. I would say <laughs> <laughs> the obnoxiousness has kind of gone through the roof. And I don't really know what's gotten into the water or what's gotten into the woods to start chasing these folks out. But there's definitely just a lot of people that want to tell me about the games that I'm playing. And I haven't, like you say, I haven't run into a lot of people doing it maliciously, but it gets to a point where I've been so clear for so long about it being a first time playthrough. I have tags up. I have a message that comes through chat. 
I have moderators that are reminding people. It's just not a thing that people should be doing. It's an etiquette thing. I mean, who runs into a movie theater and shouts <laughs> out the big twist? Yeah. Right? People, people don't do that in other medias, you know? And, and to see it happen so often in streams, and not just my own, I moderate in a couple of different streams, it's a rampant issue, I think. And, and to me, it boils down to a respect thing. Because if people know kind of where you stand on that issue and then they just insist on telling you things anyways, then it's a respect thing and they just don't appreciate what you're doing and they don't respect you. So my ban list has grown. I can say that much. It's grown a lot over the last couple of months, especially. And it's not even something that I want to be doing. I don't want to have to be that poster child for no spoilers, but... It's just coming around that way, and that's the way I'm choosing to play the games that I'm enjoying, and it is a little bit of a, a hardship, I would say. It sits heavily with me, because I really enjoy just having a nice place for people to come to and to enjoy a game with me, and I don't want to have to have it turn negative as often as it has been, and it's just been kind of a thorn in my side, really. I'd like for that to go away, and just for things to go back to a little bit more of an even rhythm, so to speak. I think sometimes people get confused about uh, what it's what it means to be part of a community and part of like a chat room, and they they think it's the their their purpose is to impose their knowledge even when it's not asked for. It's like, well, I I I am an expert in this in this game, and let me let me tell you how and why because you should be doing this and all that sort of stuff, and. It's like, that's not how this works. <laughs> mm-hmm. so do you find that that changes depending on what game you're playing? Like, if you're playing Majora's Mask, like, you're going to get tons... I would imagine that you would get a lot more people that are tra- that are doing that. Well, absolutely, yeah. And it really does depend on what I'm playing. So, if it's anything even remotely mainstream, people are in there spoiling. Like, when I played through Super Metroid, it was horrible. When oh, I played through so Maniac Mansion... It was horrible. So absolutely, it depends on the game. Um, The problem I think that I run into now is by playing through this viewer request list, there's a lot of like a lot of heavy hitters on that list that people really enjoy. So then you get the people when I played Mega Man X wanting to tell me exactly how to beat every boss or Majora's (laughs) Mask, like exactly how to figure out what sequence of things or like what day I had to do a thing on, you know? And I appreciate that people want to share, but I don't know. It's just not the the way that I want to experience those games. But when I'm playing something obscure on the master system that nobody cares about, it's like crickets in my chat. I don't have anybody in there trying to offer any advice. And that's honestly kind of a peaceful thing for me just to switch gears to something like that once in a while and just be able to feel at peace for a little while i'm sure yeah i think my favorite stream of yours is was probably your punch when you were super into punch out because you were starting with nothing right like you'd barely played the game or had you played the game at all heading into that i had not i actually turned the game on for the first time right before the stream just to make sure that i had control of what the heck the controls were and i lost to glass joe i was (laughs) glass joe's one win (laughs) it's terrible because i thought that to 
avoid or like to move out of the way was down. So I kept trying to duck, but you have to double tap to duck or something. So I just kept getting clobbered and I got wrecked by him. And I told people on stream and they're like, oh, did you record that? I said, no. And you don't need to see me lose. Thanks very much. (laughs) (laughs) It just got it was really cool to watch you like slowly get better at that game to the point where you're taking out Super Macho Man as you're looking at chat like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're just going to fly through this one and then we're going to, you know, get to another fight with uh, Mr. Sandman and it's like those guys are so freaking hard in that game and you just you made it eventually got to the point where you made it look really easy and that that was kind of rewarding and something a little different uh, mostly because it was genuine like it was a real blind playthrough which brings us all the way back around to hey folks stop spoiling games please for people because then it robs us uh, the, the rest of chat and the people watching of these cool experiences of somebody working their way up the ladder and climbing the mountain in punch out because that's that's why one of the big reasons why i turn in tune into your your twitch stream is is for stuff like that so stop ruining it everyone <laughs> or else that's or else. brandishing a fist for real over here yes but but yeah yes. i don't know if there's any teeth to that but you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a good memory for stories, and if someone spoiled it, spoiled it for me, I would forget before I got to the end anyway. But I just don't like how it how it changes the mood, and every, everybody's like, we have to reprimand this person for being a jerk. So yeah, just don't don't be a jerk, so that we can all have fun. But yeah, I I like the uh, the Mike Tyson's punch out too. What an arc that is, because it took my entire life to go from Glass Joe to Tyson. Like <laughs> I just beat that game like just barely pre COVID. I had back when we could have friends over. I had a buddy up, and we just we we did a, a classic 1996 night of of Mountain Dew Doritos and Punch Out. And I finally <laughs> finally stuck through and beat Tyson. It took 30 years, and it took you what about about four streams, maybe oh, less. Goodness. It was a little longer than that. I think I clocked in around 32 hours in total stream time, but that was also talking to chat and pausing and taking right. breaks. So Yeah, that was yeah. like three weeks, I would say. It was three three and a half weeks, I would say. And, and I was there like every day, like, how far are you now? How far are you now? And that was, it was just cool. I, I really yeah. dig that kind of stuff. I do like that arc, though, because it was like, you know, like watching the Rocky franchise, you know, going, uh, yeah. going from rags to ridges there. The, it was pretty the, cool. The, the simplicity of Punch-Out really adds a lot to that, too, because it really yeah. is, you know, one-on-one, real simple strategy game just pure timing and that sort of stuff but speaking of boxing and speaking of horse lengths uh you're also rebecca putterwood in the golf nes open tournament that segue by the way is an inside joke but um (laughs) indeed uh (laughs) so nes open is another thing that you participated in not too long ago with with our friend uh the renaissance um how many years have you have you been doing that now and um how do you feel about your performance Well, I will say that it was my second time in. So the Renaissance has been doing that tournament. I think this was his third tournament. So I participated in two of them. I did just about the same as I did the first time. So no great improvement there. But it's just such a nice, a nice way to get together with other people online and do something fun. And I've told renaissance this over and over again how thankful i am for somebody to come out of their regular life and coordinate something that just brings such a feeling of community and camaraderie between so many different folks whether they were just twitch streamers or 
like in your case, Alex, where you're not even really a streamer, but you play anyway, you know, that type of thing to bring everybody in and just to have such a wonderful week. And for me, I'm just in the anti-backspin club. So I don't know. I, I feel like I'm a little bit on the outside looking in to this window of, of a club I don't quite belong to. Does that make sense? Like, <laughs> I, I don't have an entire lifetime to spend mastering shooting the ball too far so that I can conveniently roll back. <laughs> Learning all the, the courses. Yep. And, and oh yeah, gosh. getting the touch correctly. Learn it. Remembering to use backspin. I never use backspin. I am a backspin anti backspin person. I just, oh, I can't, I can't deal with it. Like Heresy. if you're going to shoot the ball, this is what I don't understand about backspin. If you're going to shoot the ball, you're always using backspin to expect that you're always going to overshoot. But why mm -hmm. aren't you undershooting to roll the ball towards the hole, for example? You know what I mean? So that's where I get lost in this whole hype for backspin. Backspin <laughs> usually hinders me because I would shoot the ball and then it would roll further away from the hole. If I, if I, if I could actually aim it. And have it go where I want it to. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the problem. Um, that U.S. course is is will be the death of me. But I think the idea of backspin is that it gives you a little bit less of a margin or a uh, larger margin for error. I should say, if you run the ball up, it's, it's harder for it to stop. Um, it could roll all the way through the green to the fringe. If you go just over the hole and bring it back a little bit, then you're getting the ball to stop and rolling back. Then again, some pe some people like the Renaissance are so good at that game. Like he he'll do like multi like huge backspin, and he'll play the wind perfectly. And yeah, it's 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 not for everyone. I I, I guess I try and incorporated it. Um, did not work out to my advantage. I'm not on the leaderboard. Uh, I was pretty much an afterthought, but um, it's <laughs> like you said, it was so much fun. Uh, just I think the fact that it's golf really lends a lot to it because it's golf is so silly because <laughs> it's one of those like overly serious sports with like its own culture. And, you know, Renaissance does such a great job, like kind of making fun of that with, you know, Chip Chipperson and Champ Champerson. And we play it, pay our respects every time somebody comes to that hole where Champ Champers Champerson met his uh, met his end and is still laying to rest, I believe. Yeah, there's all sorts of like silly little stories. All the names crack me up. Even Rebecca Putterwood is just funny. Too. It sounds like somebody from Caddyshack, but um, it, it's such a great time. Trav, you got to do it next year. Yeah, I'm, I, honestly, the names are my favorite part. I'm not much of a golf fan. I understand the golf, and I can. I, I if you pointed to a golfer, I could be like, that guy looks like he golfs. I can tell by the hat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not not real into it. But I tell you what, I, I'm excited about making up a name and coming in last. That'll be <laughs> that'll be fun for me. That guy's yep. wearing a white belt. He he must be a golfer. But yep. uh, but yeah yeah. What were some of the other ones? Oh, here we go. We've got uh, bogey clubs bogey clubsman. We got uh, former champion uh, Dick Warlock. The uh, d d d d the winner was Marshall Mallow Marshmallow. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that what a score. 31 under. That is insane. I didn't even notice that. I just saw the winners, <laughs> the names. But that is a crazy score. Yeah, and then we got Parface. We got Elbows McGee. We got WB Green. I think I forget what that stands for, but it's it's all good fun. Um, that's another thing. Speaking of your Twitch stream, uh, HG, your, this, this tournament, 
uh, is growing every year. And I, I start to worry that like poor Renaissance is going to get like overwhelmed and put some, put put the clamps down on it or something. And I hope he I kind of hope he doesn't because it's so much fun. Yeah. Well, I hope he'll be able to keep doing it for a long time because I think he has fun with it. It's just, and he's told me before, it's one of those games that he wanted more people to play. So that's why he started out with the tournament to begin with. And now he has all of these people who are like, I want to get in on it next time. And (laughs) he's only one man. And it's usually one week. So, yeah. And he's run ragged. Like, his poor voice by the end of the long days there. He usually does one day where he'll do the UK folks in the afternoon. Like, their evening, of course. But afternoon eastern time and then he'll do some eastern time folks in our evening and he's just dead by the end of it it's, it's crazy to hear <laughs> poor guy him just shred his poor vocal cords <laughs> and it's it's such uh it's mental gymnastics he's constantly riffing he has to be on all the time he's always making wisecracks and he's always on the money with chat i mean it's he's got to be exhausted after that over over everything else he needs a he needs a color commentator there with him or some somebody to just, you know, bounce a little something off every now and then, I think. But nah, I think, I think he, he, he likes doing it by himself. I, I think I so. Tell. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, just, I don't blame I him because it sounds like it sounds like so much fun. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. It sounds like you're volunteering, Trav, if you're not going to play. Hmm? And there you go. Yeah. If, if I could get out of playing, I would absolutely just hang out and, and just give stiff, weird commentary about things. Uh, it would be great. It'd be fun because I know nothing about golf. So I'd be like, what is that? You know, it'd be great. How about that golf? <laughs> you yeah. could be like the, the sideline reporter that, you know, if, if Ren needs to go get like a drink or something, uh, he can throw throw it down to to you to give some analysis go to the mm-hmm. big board so to speak talk about you know just just speaking cliches make no sense whatsoever and then throw it back to ren when he comes back i, I think, I that think could that work. that's i think that's perfect for me yeah absolutely I, I like to do absolutely no work and get all the laughs that's what i'm here for <laughs> yeah well it's funny actually speaking of not knowing golf the only golf experience i have is from world-class leaderboard golf which I was made fun of in, during the tournament for talking about, <laughs> by the way. But I used to play it on DOS when I was a kid. And the name Putterwood came from that game because when I was little, I didn't know any club names. I knew that we had the woods. And when I saw PW, I just thought it, I knew what a putter was and I knew what a wood was. So I just started calling it a Putterwood. <laughs> and that's where that came from. And I, I call the SW a Sandalwood. Because that's just, again, going along with my my theories. So that's pretty much where that came from. And it just, it made me laugh because that's how out of it I was. Like we did some driving in high school, just down the football field. And I took out more grass than anything else. I have astigmatism. I have no depth perception. I have no hope in hell of ever being able to actually golf. So anyway, just, I hear you. I feel you on the not knowing golf. I, I can really level with you. I feel like we're getting closer to, uh, uh, I, I've been begging Trav to do what I refer to as a 90s ass golf episode where I just dr- name drop all these great 90s PGA players like uh, Fuzzy Zeller, uh, P.H. Horgan the mm-hmm. Third, 
you know, mm-hmm. all these guys, Greg Norman, of course, the shark, everybody knows him. Sure we do. Yeah. All it is is just Trav just, you know, pretending to to play along or even just like rolling his eyes like he's doing now. <laughs> and me just talking about, um, you know, like, oh, who can forget Corey Pavin at the 1995 U.S. Open with I that. No, I can't. Yeah. With that that shot on 18 with the three wood. I, th- uh, I think that was Oakmont. I can't remember what course that was, but who could forget? The, who could? I mean, not me. I, I, I want to do that sometime. I also want to do the same thing with every sport until Trav slowly goes insane. I can do <laughs> 90s hockey. We can do like uh, Tim Shovel Day, uh, Felix Potvin. Oh, um, Felix. Big Fee. Felix they the called him, Big right? Fee. Right? Big Fee. Felix the Cat. Yeah. Which is yeah. a great NES game, by the way. It is. It is pretty good. It is actually pretty good. Honestly, though, I mean, it, you know, we, we've already done football. We've already done basketball. We're boring Hungry Gryer right now. I'm very sorry. But we've already done football, basketball. I think we've touched on baseball. We did pro wrestling. You had your hockey episode last week, so you can't bring that back. Oh, come on. You can't call that a full. Oh, I guess you can. We, we did talk for like 20 minutes about I it. I want to say it felt pretty full to me. And then, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if you did do a, a golf and then a tennis and then maybe a P-knuckle, I'll let you do a P-knuckle. Ooh, then- 90s tennis. Oh, how about uh, Michael Chang, uh, Martina Hingis, uh, Monica Sellis. Great players. I do. I did recognize at least one of those names. So there nice. you go. You're ahead of me. I know yeah. none of them. I, I think they were on a video game. I think it's the With only way. Special I knew. guest HG for commentary yes. on, uh, <laughs> on all things '90s tennis. Can't wait. Polite nodding and smiling. The silence of <laughs> nodding and smiling from me. Perfect. Yeah, we'll put we'll put like a kind of like what you did with your Dreamcast. We'll put like a, <laughs> a a microphone like right up next to your face, so we can uh, we can hear you smiling and nodding, like the the air moving <laughs> next to your head as you nod, just like uh, your the, your audience could hear your uh, the clicks and clacks of your Dreamcast. Which is which, by the way, if, for those that don't know. Uh, HG put a, a special microphone next to her Dreamcast, so there was like a separate audio channel of just the sound of the disc loading and stuff like that while she played uh, Skies of Arcadia, and that was a freaking ingenious idea, and I was actually like, why didn't I think of that? Like, <laughs> that's so cool, and I was wondering if you're gonna, if you have any other ideas like that that you want to try and maybe can't or something. You know, I've thought about something else like that but there's not a lot of consoles that are noisy there's not a lot of things in my life that i can mic up without putting a camera in there you know like Mm. there's not a lot of audio flair if you will to a lot of console stuff but i have thought about what else to try and i've come up pretty empty i guess i don't know how loud a playstation is i don't know how loud Gosh, I, I I think it's mostly just fan noise. Yeah, PS2 about, is pretty quiet, I know. but Yeah, nothing else is exciting for auditory stuff anyway. I have a 3DO that sounds like there's someone inside chewing all of my discs. <laughs> they always come out fine, but there is definitely, there's teeth in there somewhere. I can hear them. I don't know what they're up to. <laughs> That's actually really funny because my PlayStation 3 gets so loud like it's not even funny how loud it gets we actually (laughs) cut a hole in the chassis to let more airflow in to allow it to cool but when you turn it on it's like there's some kind of sensor in there that just doesn't detect when it's cooled so it just keeps getting louder and louder and louder and when we bought this playstation 3 it came from a thrift store and it was meant to be our blu-ray player because we never had one before 
And one year for Christmas, I wanted to watch Home Alone because I had this anniversary collection and I had Home Alone on Blu-ray. So I put that in and I had to actually eventually switch over to the DVD version because the stupid PlayStation 3 was so loud (laughs) after a while that I could no longer hear the movie. And I was angry. So now it's a a doorstop at the moment. We got to take it apart again and and take a look to see like maybe the, the, the thermal paste or something needs to be changed or something's come loose. But oh my gosh, it's just so funny. There was one day... I was just sitting upstairs. Our game room is in the top floor of the house and I could hear this fan. And, you know, my husband's always playing video games downstairs on his PC, but it was a different fan. And I went down there and it was the stupid PlayStation. I'm like, oh, my God, just throw that thing in the garbage at this point. Like, what's wrong with it? It was ridiculous. Jeez. Oh, that that brings me back to uh, I used to work at Best Buy Corporate um, back home in Minnesota and You'd think it was Best Buy and they'd give us these like nice computers, but no, we're, we're using Windows XP. This was like 2006, 2007. We're, actually, no, we were using Windows 2000 at that point um, on these like crappy HD or HP, I mean, uh, desktop computers. And mine in particular, you press the power button and it sounds like a plane taking off. And sh- sure enough, it's like it's like whack-a-mole with all the people sitting at desks around me are all standing up to see what this noise is. Like one, <laughs> two, three, four, five. It's like, oh, now I know who's here today. And yeah, it was just, yeah, I wanted to drop that, th- drop kick that thing into the ocean. It was awful. So I don't blame you for <laughs> throw that thing out. <clears throat> but you still have it? Your PS3? It's, it's still here. We're hanging on to it and hoping <laughs> to someday take it apart and maybe give it a little bit of a refurb, if oh, possible. Because cool. I got it for 10 bucks at a value village. Like, you can't go wrong for that price, but I don't know. It still had all of the previous owner's photos on it. Like, I feel like someone left it at their parents' place and their parents <laughs> just gave it to the the thrift store and didn't tell them because it had all of these nice photos of them on vacation. And I'm oh, like, wow. what's that on their PlayStation 3? We haven't wiped anything because I find them funny to sometimes look through. That sounds really <laughs> weird now that I'm putting it out loud. But it's not like I turn it on all the time and check them out. But I did look through the first time I turned it on, which was the last. So, yeah, it was a, a weird anomaly anyway. I wasn't expecting that. I would never store photos on a PlayStation. That's not something I would Yeah, that's kind of... I, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody doing that. But um, yeah, I would think it's either... Until I, I, you said vacation photos, I was thinking like, uh-oh, someone had a bad report card and they <laughs> brought their uh, PS3 to as punishment to uh, Value Village. But uh, sounds like it was just like, yeah, I think you, it's probably the most likely scenario is uh, <laughs> left it at their parents' house or something. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. I did know a guy that used his his PS3 as like a full-on media center. And so I don't know why or how, but yeah, he, he would store all of his photos and stuff on there. And when I'd come over, he'd want to show me stuff on it. But it was it's such a, like a clunky interface. I'm like, dude, just put this on a computer. Like, why are you putting this in a box that... But yeah. this is a computer. This is a PS3. It's the, it's a better than a computer. So yeah, just get it's a Chromecast. It's a media center. And then stream it from your computer to your... If you want it on your TV that bad, just do that. Nah, nah, it's got to be on the PS3. Okay. Oh my All God, right. that is so funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was probably like in 2011 where that was like kind of excusable, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think I have some 3D photos on my 3DS that I took of my dog... Because it let you do that where it's it kind of 
<laughs> very poorly turns them into allow you to use like the 3D option with with basic pictures and yeah there there might be some puppy Clyde pictures on on my 3DS I I'm now I'm curious now now I want to look Did you ever have a Game Boy camera? Game Boy camera? I don't know why I said Game Boy camera that sounded like I was emphasizing boy for some reason but did you ever <laughs> have a Game Boy camera? Those were expensive. No, I never had one of those. Yeah, I, I just got one a couple of years ago just by actually purchasing my friend's collection from high school. And it was funny because I think it, he had taken some photos with it of a Lucky Charms box and some other things that I could just barely make out. But at one point, I think, I, I, I don't know, and this is such a mystery to me, I don't know if I took a photo of myself and then put it away and a year passed. Because when I took it back out again, I'm like, that kind of looks like me. But I'm not sure. Like that's that's, oh, that's how creepy. bad the quality is, and it was so weird. And it was just one of those photos, like from a bad angle. So it could have been me, but it might not have been. And it was it's strange. I didn't delete it yet. I just can't stand to delete it because it's it's actually crept back into my mind a few times since I've seen it. It's I don't know. It's hard to explain why it feels creepy to me, but it just it just does. That's a good creepy premise. Like somebody sells you their Game Boy camera. <laughs> That they said, like, just found in the attic, haven't seen it in 20 years, and you turn it on, and there's a picture of you on there. Oh, so scary. <laughs> scary. Oh, man. That's good. Are, so, you making, are you making fun of me? No, I it's just okay. spooked myself out. Like, I think that that would be freaky, honestly. <laughs> okay. Like, wow. Like, you as an adult on there, and you're like, wow, when did you take this picture of me with this Game Boy camera? You have to have perfect lighting and be four feet away. I don't remember that. <laughs> Yeah, you yep. would think an experience like that would be burned in your mind. <laughs> yeah, you would think. Yeah. Yeah, I do have my 3DS here. Uh, the first picture was taken on April 6, 2012, and it's of Pearl on the phone on the couch. That's nine <laughs> years ago. That's insane. And I, 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 I can barely make that out. There's also a picture on here. Apparently, there was like a game like native to the 3DS, like a firmware type of thing where uh firmware why did i say that but mm. <laughs> it was um you could take somebody's face and put them on these enemies and blast them and stuff like that really simple game and uh i think i took rod stewart's face for some reason <laughs> and put him on these things and there's like a screenshot of that so yeah rod stewart is on my 3ds if you want my body did you sing that as you were doing it no, this is like 90s Rod Stewart. This is like oh, lots okay. of Botox, plastic surgery, collagen, all that, you know, all that stuff on his face and he looks weird. That's why I think that's why I used it. It might have been some sort of inside joke. Anyway, we are off the rails right now, but <laughs> I think it's great. Do you uh, HG, do you have any Rod Stewart pictures? I don't know. I'm just trying to segue into something. Rod Stewart <laughs> pictures. So I'm terrible with celebrities and oh, I don't good. know who Rod Stewart is off the top of my head. So I'm going to say probably, but I don't know for sure. He was a, a 70s pop singer, 80s pop singer. He sang forever young. He's got kind of a gravelly voice for a pop singer, which is kind of, you know, kind, kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, forever young. And yeah, so he's somehow still alive, too, which I would not have guessed. Uh, he's 76 <laughs> and he lives in London still. So, yeah, he was an English guy. So, mm-hmm. but I will say the most remarkable thing about him same hairstyle for 63 years. 
You, you, can't, <laughs> you can't top that. A lot of rockers will change it. They'll go go long, then short. They get they have their phases. No phases with Rod Stewart. It's always been a sassy peacock, and it's great looking. Yeah, you're, you. So you're saying at like 13, he had like a bowl cut or something like that. Yeah, and then, then <laughs> now was I'm like, picturing Rod Stewart with a bowl cut, and that is that's precious. Yeah. Yeah, we've gone down two two roads of uh, of conversation where HG's like, man, I wish we would just talk about Castlevania again. You've done you've done <laughs> tennis and golf. Now you're on Rod Stewart. My goodness. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it, it's okay. I've been enough in enough vinyl stores and seen enough vinyl covers that I probably know who Rod Stewart is to see him. So if that's any consolation, I haven't been completely out to lunch. He's among many of the the front record people that i've seen i just don't know him off the top of my mind you would definitely see him right next to like a gazillion chris christopherson and seals and croft records at the used record store for sure um are you uh do you collect vinyl stuff i do not well i shouldn't say i do not i never used to but it's been kind of foisted upon me by having a partner in my life who has collected vinyl since he was a teenager so oh, right on i now currently own Gosh, maybe 10 records. Most of them are Meatloaf and Charlie Brown, and there's a Chuck Mangione <laughs> one in there. <laughs> that's and that's about it. Yeah. You could have given me 10,000 <laughs> guesses as to what your records you have. That's awesome. And not one of those guesses would have been Meatloaf or Charlie Brown, but I love it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. There's some offspring in there, too, just, just oh, cool. in case okay. that oh, might nice. be cool. Is it that yeah. one album from like the early 90s with the skeleton on the cover smash i think smash yeah, yeah. i have smash i have ixnay on the ombre americana uh the two early records i didn't like so much by them like i can just kind of write them off um and i got their newest album on cd because hmm. i'm a nerd and i want to put it in my car and listen to it on the highway instead of being stuck in my house with a vinyl player but <laughs> Yeah, I don't need the full body of sound for the offspring. For Meatloaf, though, you need the whole shebang, right. like well, the yeah. programmable, programmable whatever Mabob calls, whatever you, you can change your, um, what the heck is that thing called? The big stereo thing that you switch between the sources with. It's escaping my brain, but you can set like cathedral or oh, right. rock oh, concert. Like the preset eq settings and reverb and all that sort of stuff yeah those are the ones you need that for meatloaf to get the meatloaf experience yeah it's got to be loud and in your face and because that's when i when i see meatloaf when i see meatloaf the dish uh especially my mom's meatloaf from way back Mm -hmm. when i think of i think of loud and intense things so (laughs) wow that's um sorry mom yeah it's uh yeah meatloaf what do we we have like do you have any records, Trav? Are you a record person? I collected records because my uh, my record player is directly below where our nursery, now my two-year-old's bedroom is. So two years ago, I stopped because I was no longer able to listen to anything after 7 p.m. Because it shook the entire, you know, that side of the house. <laughs> so now, nice. now we don't collect because it's like, well, I can't listen to it until she's like, I don't know, six and goes to bed at nine. So... <laughs> So we're on a bit of a hiatus, I guess you could say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Until we move, I might just move her to another side of the house. I don't know. (laughs) We'll figure it out. You're sleeping in the yard tonight, dear heart. (laughs) Instead of moving Um, the record player, I'll just move my daughter's entire room for my convenience sake. We'll see how it goes. uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, our record collection is like the most one of the most scatterbrained things because uh, my girlfriend Pearl, she likes to go to these like indie shows uh, or she brings me with sometimes and it's always like guy with a guitar, you know, like Bob Dylan type stuff like uh, and it's some guy I've never heard of in a million years like Tobias Smallwood or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really golfer name. <laughs> I know. It was uh but it, it, so we've got like all these like one one song guys like I know like one song from them and I've never heard of these guys like ever again. And then we've got like Joan Baez and the Beatles and <laughs> like all this like 70s stuff and then we've, you know, it, 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 it's like a weird collection that like implies that Tobias Smallwood is on the same level as mm. these other people because we invested in vinyl of them when that's not the case at all. But yeah, so it's always that's fun a- to point that out to people. I was going to say our collection's kind of the same, right? Like my my stuff's obviously kind of like a gangly appendage on on my husband's cool <laughs> records, but he'll have like stuff that ranges from what I would call almost like goblin music. And I, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I qualify it like that, like cradle of filth, like mm-hmm. that kind of level of metal grunge. I don't even know if it's grunge, but anyway, it sounds like someone rasping their voice into a microphone and it's weird. But he goes from that to like Iron Maiden and then he'll have some 70s stuff like Spyrogyra, which is kind of like jazz fusion. Like we have such a wide variety of music, Smashing Pumpkins, like there's a whole pile of stuff that we've just amassed over the last couple of years together. And then that he brought into the relationship as well. And, and I agree with you. It's kind of hard to like buy a record that's kind of not in the same echelon as Mm -hmm. some of the older, cooler stuff. It's like, I just tuck that one in the back so that no one sees that (laughs) one. (laughs) And we can kind of fawn over all of the, the rush or, you know, other cooler Mm -hmm. rock stuff that I feel is more, more cool for lack of a better word. The thing is, though, is that when we go to these shows, there's only about 30 people, 40 people there. And we really want to support the artist and thank them for coming out to Albuquerque of all places. And the best way to do that is just get their record. That way you can listen to their music again. But at the same time, yeah, it's like there's there's a, a Genesis record next to uh, freaking George, you know, Anderson. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> not not coming up with the most original names. Uh, it's like that, that's a middle school principal who you just made. <laughs> that guy's yeah. never made me. George Anderson has never made music. You think you think George Anderson uses his middle initial? Like he's like George T. Anderson he's or something like to. that. He's got. Yeah. Well, he googled George Anderson. He was like, "That's too many. We we have to use the middle. Maybe two initials. Maybe two. <laughs> George T. A. Anderson. Just that's to right. make sure you know. And he he definitely wears glasses and has had the same frame since the eighties. Hundred percent. Yep. I I can picture him. Yeah. We've established the lore of George T. A. Anderson, and I think on that note, are we pretty much wrapped up here? (laughs) (laughs) Or do you want to come up with some more cool characters? I think we could be done. Uh, I've really enjoyed talking to H. G. Again, we really appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll have you on again, maybe maybe within a year. But we like uh, we like revisiting some of our favorite guests, and especially since you're still making great content, your your channel is. We we said last time it's blowing up. I don't think we'd use that twice, but it's continued to it's continued to go up and it's been fun to watch. Well, I appreciate that. And it's always a blast having a chance to to talk to you too. You're very funny and I love what you're doing out there as well. Like it's a mutual mutual kind of feeling, I think. I really enjoy everything that you folks are putting out there and I will be taking a lot of your video backlogs in 
while I'm lying up in a bed over the next couple of weeks with Aww. one organ less. It'll be wonderful just to <laughs> sit less. down and watch. <laughs> Minus one organ. Voices. Yes. I, are you going to weigh before? And this this might be like a personal like don't ask this question, but I'm interested to know what a gall, what a gallbladder weighs. You going you going to weigh before and after just to see what the what the toll that thing takes out? I may. I know that it's supposed to be about ten centimeters long and four centimeters wide. Whoa. So about huh. I don't I don't know how that converts to inches accurately. I have for no you idea, folks. No, yeah, that would be like no three idea. inches, I think, wouldn't it? That's Maybe. bigger than I would have thought. Maybe Three like inches? five, five, five inches long, maybe, and maybe two inches wide or something like that. Yeah, huh. like four and a half to yeah. That's, that's a lot bigger than I would have thought. Yeah, yeah geez. it's it's significant. I would say. Did I tell you guys it's my birthday on Friday, and I get to oh lose my God. an organ for my birthday? <laughs> Isn't oh, that nice? wow! <laughs> Isn't that great? I'm just like layering on the sadness right now. It's okay though. I'm I'm honestly just fine. Aww. You know, this this podcast will come out on your birthday, and that's our gift to you is giving you back to you. Yay! Thank Yay. you so much. It'll be I'm, nice to listen back to actually to have something to look forward to. So thank you for that. You know what's strange though, and I wanted to point this out. I know we were just we were we felt like we we're closing the door there, and I'm opening it back up. But what's interesting is that I know Alex and I both watch your stream uh, with with some regularity. I don't think he and I have ever crossed paths inside of you i don't know what it is it's almost like <laughs> at, at night we're one person we can't be in the same place i don't know what's what's up with that but i've never crossed alex in your, it's in really your thing yeah no, i i'm not gonna lie sometimes on twitch i just close the chat and mm -hmm. i just leave it on um there there's only a couple other like forgotten vcr mystery science theater um i regularly keep the chat open on those arcus gotcha. eh, arcus i close the chat too yeah, sometimes for if I just want to listen to somebody, um, and HG falls into that category where I just want to like have them on while I'm editing something or drawing something mm -hmm. or whatever. That's it's nice to have that on and not worry about chat at all. So I won't even notice if you're there, Trav. I well, that's fine. I I usually am editing us while I'm watching uh, some oh. HG and she's keeping me company. But I always pop in and say hi, and somebody <laughs> might say like, "Ah, Snestrunk was just here a minute ago," and I'm like, "Really? I never catch that booger. Where'd he go?" So anyway. Just thought that was interesting. But yeah, thanks for joining us. Good luck tomorrow. And uh, you know, we'll see you on the other side there and can't wait to see you streaming again. When when you, when's the first stream back? I'm gonna aim, I think, for a week from Thursday. So I'm hoping that that will be possible. It depends on how the recovery is going. It's only laparoscopic, so it shouldn't be too invasive. It's day surgery, you know, it shouldn't mm -hmm. be anything too major. But just in case, I will say at least a week, if not more, probably. Best All of right. luck. And Thank happy you. birthday. Yes, happy Thank birthday. <laughs> Thanks, folks. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. That's been another Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, you can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. And please do that. I got to say, we're running a little bit low. Uh, we love hearing from you. We'll respond or read it here eventually. Sorry, we are slow, but uh, now you're slow. So guess what? It's your fault now. Please head over to polymedianetwork.com if you want to hear more podcasts from us or our crew. We have Tales of the Lesser Medium, Petey's Power Hour, Polykill, Indie Quest, and more. Gee, is really going in, digging in on our listeners here. I don't, I don't think they deserve that. Is it so hard? You need to write an email. You need to write an email. Otherwise, we're going to have to start making some up. <laughs>
Okay. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. have to start making. Yeah, we're gonna have the well, actually, guy actually email us, <laughs> which is like way too meta for my brain. But uh, if you're not interested in sending an email, you should be because we need them. But uh, you can still give us a rating and review on a podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us out big time. You can find us all on social media on Twitter. I'm at Trav Plays Games. Alex is at Snes Drunk, and you can follow HG at Hungry Goria. As always, the music you heard at the beginning and can hear right now was composed by our friend Coolor. Uh, and we mentioned him a couple times on the on the show today. Uh, the track you hear is called Electric Star Bounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast, the Buzzsprout podcast page. And of course, a shout out to uh, new uh, northeast northwestern resident Josh Leslie for our thirst quenching logo. That's right. Thanks, Josh. Glad you got there safe. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thank you for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye.